week you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it eight 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 money pit. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, because we are here to help you with your home improvement projects. We know there's something on your how-to-to-do list that maybe you just need a little help to get started with, or maybe you're perplexed by something that you see about your house and you need some help to figure it all out and decide what the next step is. We are here to do just that, but you got to help yourself first by picking up the phone and calling us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. So put down those tools and pick up the phone and give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. It is spring and the time of the year for outdoorsy activities and also the time to enjoy all of those wonderful aromas that that the earth, the flowers, and the fresh air provide. So it makes sense that the last Saturday in April is devoted to a special day that uh, honors just that. It is now <laughs> Sense of Smell Day, Leslie. Did you know that? <laughs> I really thought you were making that up. I am not making it up. It is officially <laughs> Sense of Smell Day, which I can expect is another Hallmark holiday. Good Lord, you make me buy so many cards for you. I'm going to have to start <laughs> making them. So in honor of uh, yet another made-up holiday, we're going to have some tips on how to get rid of bad <laughs> odors in your house coming up in just a bit. <laughs> and also ahead, if you're getting ready to hire help for your home improvement project, we want to make sure that you know exactly what belongs in the paperwork that you've got with your contractor. And we're going to share some tips in just a little bit. And do you have one of those big and beautiful patio doors that you just love most of the time, except that is when it gets so hot outside that those big glass doors can make your house so uncomfortable you could probably grow tropical fruit inside? (laughs) We've got a do-it-yourself way to get that privacy and shade that you need without sacrificing function. And this hour, we've got a great prize up for grabs. We're giving away a 170-piece mechanics tool set from Stanley. It's worth 75 bucks. Going to go to one caller who reaches us with their home improvement question at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? Jan in Michigan, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Yes, thank you for taking my call. I have an older brick home in the neighborhood of 70 years. I would like to know the R factor between double-pane windows and triple pane. I have to make a choice which would be best. Yeah, you know, that's a great question, whether it pays to to go with double pane or triple pane. Certainly triple pane are a little more energy efficient, and in an area um, like Michigan, that's something that we're very concerned about, Um, but they're more expensive. Now, you know, one of the things that you might want to consider here would be to use uh, a a good quality brand first. So I would kind of concentrate on the brand rather than the panes, because it's all relative. And then when you look at the brands, uh, the next thing you want to look at is something called the uh, National Fenestration Rating Council label. The label on the glass actually tells you how energy efficient the window is. It will tell you what the heat gain coefficient is. It will tell you what the U factor is. And you can compare apples to apples, Jan, by using the uh, the National Fenestration Rating Council label. And I will tell you that on our website at Money Pit. 
Com. We actually have a replacement window guide. It's a free download, actually, from our book, My Home, My Money Pit. There is a, uh, a an ad right on the home page that will take you right into the page where this exists. And you can download this guide. And in the guide, we actually have a picture of the label, and we explain how you use it to try to sort uh, what sort out what the best window is for your home. So I wouldn't concentrate so much on double versus triple. I would concentrate on glass quality uh, and that NFRC rating. Thank you so much. Appreciate You're very welcome. It. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Richard in Texas on the line who is possibly pretty mad at his son about this uh, question he's about to ask. What happened, Richard? My son changed uh, his oil on his car and made a mess underneath of it and didn't ever tell me about it. And unfortunately, parked his car over it for the most part. <laughs> and now that his car's gone, the oil stain is still there. And I can't seem to uh, find any solution to getting it out. It was a, a new concrete, and we put a sealer down, and it didn't apparently didn't work. From what you're telling us here, you've done a lot. You've pressure washed it. You put a degreaser. You use muriatic acid. You use kitty litter. You know, it, it may be so into that concrete now hmm. that you're not going to draw it out. The only thing that we can suggest that sometimes works is TSP, trisodium phosphate. And you buy this at a paint store and you mix it up like a paste. And then you trowel it on over that stain and let it sit for a while. And that might... Get might some of it up. Pull some of it up. But unfortunately, you, you've got this to the point now where it's so embedded in there that mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to be able to, uh, to totally bring it back to the way it was. So you may want to think about using a concrete stain and restaining the whole surface or even an epoxy a paint. They have epoxy paints that go on driveways today that are very durable uh, that can give you uh, some protection against this ever happening again. Right. Well, I, I have some of that in my garage floor where you... Uh, roll it on and you put the little glitter over the top mm, of it. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that seemed to work pretty good in there. Is there anything that I have to uh, specifically pre-treat that concrete with so that it will stick and not come up? Uh, generally, the kits, when you purchase them, they're sold in sort of stages and steps. And one of the first steps is like an etching process, which will do the cleaning and prepping of the surface. But you definitely want to make sure that you clean the surface, you know, make sure that you get whatever dirt and dust are just sitting on top of it off of it. And if you do use some water to give it a good cleaning, let it dry out very well before you apply anything. And then check your forecast because you want to make sure that this is proper curing time and that there's no chance of rain. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. All right, Richard. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair, home improvement, design, decor question, whatever you are working on. We're here to lend a hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, do you have an area in your home that's devoted to your pets? I do. Leslie, I know you do. And it's an area that we want to be fun, functional, and fresh all at the same same time we'll have tips on how you can do just that next
The Money Pit is brought to you by ODL's Add-on Blinds. Enclosed behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds. Plus, they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. If you do, we'll give you the answer to your home improvement project and perhaps the tools to help you get it all done because we're giving away a 170-piece mechanics tool set from Stanley worth 75 bucks. It comes with all the sockets, ratchets, and wrenches that you're going to need. It's fully polished chrome, so it's also anti-corrosive. It's also got a very durable carrying case and a lifetime warranty. Warranty. Learn more at Stanley.com or pick up the phone right now for your chance to win. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. That's right. Pick up the phone and give us a call. We'd love to hear what you are working on. But right now, it is time for this week's fresh idea presented by Citrus Magic. Now, pet owners, there are a lot of us out there, and we all know that dogs and cats can very quickly become a very important part of our family. So, if you want to make a comfortable and functional space for your pet, there are so many ways that you can actually accomplish that. First of all, you want to make sure that you designate a space that's going to be truly dedicated to your pet's bed, their food dishes, and if you've got a cat, you know, their litter box, or even if you keep your animal in a crate, something like that, just so that you've got a specific area for your animal to go. And you can use mats to do this, or you can find a closet to use for this purpose. Next thing you want to consider is keeping their eating areas clean. You might want to think about food dishes that are up off of the floor, and this is a great idea if you've got a larger dog. This way they don't have to bend down to get to the ground to reach their water or their food and you can find all different sized benches with removable bowls so it's easy to clean and you'll find one for a tiny dog or a giant dog and for cats you want to also think about a covered litter box that will help keep those odors down and keep the area neat looking now to keep this entire area odor free i would recommend citrus magic's all natural odor eliminating spray we've been using that in the house now for over a year and we really love it and the best thing about this is it's not going to harm your pet in any way you can use it on their bed you can use it near their food you can use it near the water or near them it's a hundred percent natural it's made from pure citrus oil that actually eliminates odors instead of just covering them up. Plus, the light, clean fragrance is great for those that are sensitive to heavy, perfuming smells. And that is your Citrus Magic Fresh idea for this week. You can learn more about Citrus Magic all-natural fresheners at citrusmagic.com. All right, now we've got John in New York who's looking for some help with a condensation issue. Tell us what's going on. Love your program. Thank uh, you, John. I have a stone-type stone house. And it seems like it always seems damp inside. Right. I was wondering if that's a cause of the stone. I'm really not sure of the insulation under it. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering if I can use a vapor barrier paint to stop that. And the trim on the inside is at least a half inch sticking out. It sticks out about a half inch. I was wondering if they have any sort of um, insulating type wallpaper or something that I could help insulate the inside without going through the outside. Thank you very much. So the interior wall finish, is there any frame walls part of that, or is it uh, plastered right over the stone? I mean, what's your understanding of the, of the wall construction? Um, I, think, I, think, I think it's plastered right over the stone. Yeah, well, that would make sense. 
Um, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, the humidity and the dampness problem. It's it, certainly the stones are contributing to that because any type of a masonry product like that is going to be very hydroscopic, so it holds a lot of water, and that water can certainly evaporate into the interior space. However, that said, there are a couple of things that you can do to reduce the volume of water that collects on the outside. The first is start at the roof with the gutter system. Make sure it's clean, free-flowing, and that those downspouts are at least four to six feet uh, from the house when they discharge. Secondly, look at the grading to make sure that the soil around the immediate foundation perimeter slopes away. You want to drop off about six inches over four feet. Those two things reduce the volume of moisture that sort of hangs at the base of the house. And in doing so, means there's a lot less water to be drawn up into the walls which can therefore evaporate into the house. The second thing to do is let's talk about interior ventilation. You want to make sure that you have exhaust fans in the kitchens and the bathrooms that don't recirculate, that truly take uh, the moisture out of the house. And thirdly, what kind of heating system do you have in that house, John? Uh, it's, uh, it's oil heat, oil-forced uh, hot air. Perfect. With a forced hot air system, you can install an appliance called a whole home dehumidifier. There's a number of manufacturers that make them. Uh, they can take out about 90 pints of water a day. So From the entire house. Right. So it's not just one room dehumidifier or one like a basement dehumidifier. This works in the HVAC system. So it takes the, the air that's coming in, the returns, runs through the dehumidifier, it pulls out the excess moisture, and then it sends that drier air down the line. This will be especially valuable to you in the spring uh, and the summer months when there's a lot of humidity around. Okay, thank you very much. Christy in Iowa, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? I have a question about old lamps. I bought some antique lamps, probably they're over 50 years old, and I just want to know if I've had them, I've had the um, the wiring, I've taken them to a hardware store and they've rewired them, but I don't know very much about ele- electricity um, in old light fixtures, and I just want to know if I replace the electrical cords, how would I know if they're safe? I mean, is that all I need to do to be sure that they're safe? Well, I mean, if the hardware store is doing this for you, I think that you're probably in good hands, But because what they would do is they would replace everything, mm-hmm. including, you know, the, the socket, the bulb socket, and the switch, and the cord. So they just work off of the fixture and replace all the guts. Yeah, I mean, essentially all of the operable parts from an electrical standpoint are new. So I think you'd be perfectly safe doing that. Yeah, because people are always throwing out these really cool old lamps with all kinds of unique features. Yeah. And then I, then I find some local hardware store where the guy knows how to fix it, and yep. they're pretty awesome. So that's really just my question. I, I have these lamps. They're beautiful. They're old, and they're unique, but I don't want them to be a fire hazard. Oh, I think that you'll be not. perfectly fine. Okay. Um, do you have any any suggestions for reference? Like, um, just uh, by chance, would you know um, any book or any website that that I could find out about the age of old lamps or information on vintage lamps mm. and lighting fixtures? I don't actually. I was going to send you to a website called lampshop.com, and they sell lamp parts because I, like you, like to either make my own lampshades or I find something cool like a vase or some sort of interesting antique object, if you will. And I like to turn those things into lamps. And there's a guy that works there who um, I believe his name is Ryan. He's completely awesome. He talks me through the whole process. I sort of describe the piece that I've found and, you know, what's the best way to turn it into a lamp. So you may 
you know, in your next dumpster dive adventure, find something cool that isn't already a lamp that you might want to venture into doing yourself. And as long as you use up to code electrical wiring, I mean, it's as simple as running an electrical cord up this piece and wiring it to a socket. It could not be easier. As long as you're using current items, it'll work fantastic and you'll be able to create really unusual pieces. Thanks for your help. I appreciate it. I love you welcome, Christy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. John in California is calling in with an insulation and a siding question. How can we help with the project? Well, I want to reside the south side of my house, and it currently has 5HT111 siding on it. Okay. And I wanted to put the hardy plank on the outside of it and, and maybe possibly increase the insulation. Okay. Are you going to take the T111 off? Well, I, I, I wasn't going to, but I could. Mm, okay. Uh, because you're going to have the issue of what to do with your windows and the depth around the windows and the trim around the windows and doors and, and, and that sort of thing to deal with. Um, but hardy plank is a good choice. How, how, what's your specific question, though? Well, it's uh, you know if I put the uh, the styrofoam insulation on between the the siding, the existing siding, or or some shear wall, and the hardy plank, then I obviously have to put some furring strips in to be able to put the hardy plank too. And I didn't know whether or not. Um, actually, know, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that that's the case. I mean, if you leave the T111 up there because it's good, it's good sheathing, it's good structural sheathing. And you uh, attach the foam insulation over that, so you have either you know pink foam, blue foam, isocyanurate foam, whatever. You can attach that right to the T111. Then you could put the hardy plank right over the foam, nail through the foam into the T111, and have good attachment. Uh huh. So, how would you attach the the foam insulation to the uh, with a with the nail that kind of looks a bit like a roofing nail? It's got a wide flat oh, okay. head. Okay. Yeah. Now, the the only problem I would have with that is that here, where we live up in the foothills in the summer, you know, and it being the south side of the house, I mean, the ambient temperature could could approach a hundred degrees, and then in you know the middle of the night, it might get down into the mid forties. So right. you would receive a lot of expansion and contraction of the material would mm -hmm. that have a tendency to to pull on the nails or should i use screws or mm, i don't think so i don't you, think so you think would, it would yeah you, you would you would have more of an expansion contraction issue if you had vinyl siding because it expands and contracts very rapidly and be all wavy and stuff but the hardy plank's pretty um pretty durable in terms of thermal expansion mm-hmm okay yeah. You know, it's, so not, just, it's not a bad idea to give a call to the manufacturer just to check out your specific situation, but I think that's the way I'd approach it. Okay. All right. Well, then I guess that answers it. Thank All you right. very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You know, Leslie, that T111 siding, we're talking about the plywood siding mm -hmm. that looks sort of like vertical uh, slats. Well, it looks like planking almost. looks like planking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a very short-term siding for the most part. I mean, you, you get 10 or 15 years out of that stuff, it's it's pretty good. You're lucky. You're lucky, right. Um, but it is, uh, it is a great way to have a, a sheathing product that reinforces the structural stability of the walls. So that's why when you have T111, you may not want to remove it because if you did, there's really nothing that, that's really there's keeping no those walls to from. It. Well, there's nothing to keep keeping those walls from racking, which is like sort of sliding from side to side. Still ahead, do you love having big glass sliding doors, but maybe you need a way to control the light and the privacy? If that's you, we've got tips on a cool blind system that you can install yourself next. Hey, hey, hey. 
Money Pit is brought to you by Skill. Want hardwood floors but are on a budget? The affordable and feature-filled Skill Flooring Saw is just what you need for your installation project. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And blinds or shades are pretty easy as a home improvement project to put on just about any window in your house. But when it comes to getting that same sort of control over the light and privacy on a door, well, not so much. <laughs> Seriously, you need a very specialized product to really help you get some privacy at the front entrance to your home. So joining us is a special guest, Randy Brown, who's the product manager from ODL, to talk about a great new innovation to help your doors with privacy. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. Appreciate being here. Hey, it's our pleasure. So your product is an add-on blind. Sounds simple enough, but it's pretty neat because it actually uh, adds on to any exterior door, and it keeps the blinds uh, behind tempered glass. Talk about how it works. Well, the beauty of this is, like any blind, you are able you have the benefit of providing visual privacy and, and light flow control. Mm-hmm with the blinds, but uh, what it does is, if you think about a traditional blind, you know, it, over time it gets, dirty, it gets dirty and you've got to dust it and how do you keep it clean, and then you've got these cords hanging down, and then when you go to open or shut the door, you get the swinging and banging associated mm-hmm. with that. And the beautiful thing with our add-on blind is it's, it's enclosed behind tempered glass, and what that does is seal it. So you never have to dust or clean the blinds, so that number one complaint is taken care of. Um, from that standpoint. And the second thing is you also don't have those, uh, those cords. So it's very um, child and pet safe from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then also, again, when you open and shut the door, because it's sealed behind the glass... It's not going to bang around. You got it, exactly. So you get a nice swing motion with that. So consumers love it because it takes care of those problems for consumers, and you still get the benefit of controlling visual privacy and light flow. Now, what about installation? I mean, it it provides such a great benefit as far as privacy and light control, but as a homeowner, is this something that I can purchase and tackle myself, you know, adding it onto the door without damaging the efficiency of the door? Great question. Very simple. It's a simple process to install over your existing frame of your door on the inside. Uh, You simply have got some metal clips that you simply slide on in the upper frame area, and the frame actually hangs and pivots right off of that, and then you secure it with some uh, simple clips at the side of the frame as well. So really adaptable. We've got uh, styles that work for flush frame doors as well as the more traditional raised frame doors. Now, how does the actual operation of the blind work? Uh, Do you have anything that extends beyond this frame so that you can operate it? What you have is an ergonomically designed lever that you simply slide up and down, and that allows you to raise or lower the blinds, and then you can also override it by uh, uh, being able to adjust the blinds themselves up to 180 degrees, so you can tilt that. So one lever gives you that, which is designed simply to raise and lower it, and then allows you to tilt the blind, so it's very consumer-friendly from that standpoint. What about my choices? You know I work as a decorator, so I'm already thinking, like, what kind of options could I get? Are there colors? Do I have blind options? Are there fabrics? What do I do? Yeah, you know, we've, we've looked at that, and, and we've noodled, quite frankly, a little bit with the color options right now. Like most blind options, white's like 95% of the volume, so that's really what we offer. Uh, we have recently introduced a new set of your shade as well, which does give you a more of a style kind of a texture feel in there and gives you more of a style. And that is also, instead of lowering from the bottom to the top, which is what the blind does, the shade actually comes from the bottom um, to the top. Now, can you paint the frames? Yeah, the paints are, or, uh, the frames are paintable and stainable. 
Okay, great. Uh, from that standpoint, so any color that you want to match with that as well. Well, that's terrific. Randy Brown, product manager with ODL, telling us about this new product, the Add-On Blind. A very, very cool product. If you want more information on it, you can head on over to ODL's website at odl.com or pick up the phone and call them at 866-ODL-4-U. That's the number for you. Randy, thanks again for stopping by the program. Great. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. All right, still to come, when dealing with your contractors this spring, we want to make sure that you get everything in writing. So stick around because we're going to tell you what needs to be spelled out and how after this. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call right now at 888-MONEY-PIT because this hour we've got a great prize up for grabs. We're giving away a 170-piece mechanics tool set from our friends over at Stanley Tools. And it's worth $75. Now it's going to come with all of the sockets, the ratchets, and the wrenches that you are ever going to need. And the tools have a knurled handle finish so they're not going to slip out of your hands while you're getting dirty with your home improvement projects. And this set comes with a carrying case and a lifetime warranty. You can learn more at stanley.com or call right now at 888-MONEY-PIT for your home improvement question to be answered and your chance to win. Well, maybe you're not a do-it-yourselfer. Maybe you're a direct-it-yourselfer and you're ready to uh, hire a contractor to help you get a project done this spring. If that's the case, you want to make sure you get the job details in writing. When you make an oral contract, you risk disputes that happen later on. Now, when you make the contract, you want to consider the following. First, the work to be done, the payment schedules, the proof of the contractor's insurance and license, and project guarantees. All very important things to make sure are documented in writing. Mm-hmm. And you also want to make sure that you know which of the materials that you're using in your home are warranted and what subcontractors will be working on your home. And you also want to make provisions for change orders because sometimes when a project is underway, you're going to realize that, you know, oh, maybe I'd like a window added here or I don't really like that appliance that we first picked out. Can we change that? You just want to remember that before you sign on the bottom line, that you run through this checklist so that you don't miss anything and nobody has questions or concerns or issues that go unanswered or unresolved. If you want some more details, head on over to Google.com and type in Money Pit Contract Essentials and you'll get a ton of information there. 888-666-3974. Dean in New York is on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? Good. Well, about two years ago, uh, uh, my wife, my family, and I moved into a, a different home, and we had like uh, wood molding um, around the doors and such. And I decided, um, rather mistakenly, to surprise my wife one day and and paint all of that. And uh, not not a good thing. And I found <laughs> Uh oh, man, you got in big trouble for that one, didn't you? Yeah, I, I found out about two years later that she didn't really like it. Oh, she. I'm, oh, she was so sweet. She didn't tell you for two years. For two years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but um, I I come to not like it too much either. So I was trying to actually scrape the paint off, and I can do a lot of it by hand, but a lot of it seems on there. And I just want to see if there's a way to get the paint off without actually, you know, to go back to the finished wood that was there without taking, you know, the, the layers 
off underneath, meaning the stain and, and such. Mm-hmm. Well, generally when you're dealing with paint removal, it really does help to use a chemical paint remover, you know, and there are a ton of different ones on the market, um, some that are spray-on, some that are more liquidy and others that are more gelatinous that sort of like sit on the surface. Both of them, you know, will take off layer by layer by layer. I can't guarantee to you that when you get down to that original stain that you like, that it's going to be like great condition. You'll just wipe it off and be done with it. You may need to then take that layer off and restain. All right. Would sanding be an option or would that possibly no, be No, because if no. you sand, I mean, right into it. yeah, and even with the scraping, if you sort of go in there with your fingernail or putty knives, you could sort of gouge into the wood itself. So I would, you know, get a liquid paint remover, one that's in like a sprayable format, spray it on, let it sit on there to sort of break up that first layer, and then carefully use a paint scraper and just sort of, you know, smoothly go across the surface and see if you could start taking it off. But, you know, just be very cautious because you don't want to overspray the remover so that you're getting into the stain. But generally, because the paint is made of a different component than the stain, you should be able to get down to it. But... You know, just be gentle in the removal. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Tom in Michigan on the line who's dealing with some fading floors. Tell us what's going on. Well, hello. I have a rather large house, and most of it is three-quarter inch solid oak flooring, uh, about the two and three-quarter inch wide planks all hanging together. Mm Mm-hmm. You have the dining room, the kitchen, and the living room all in line. There are wall partial walls between each room, but you can see all the flooring all the way across. Okay. The flooring in the dining room, because of the large windows, has become faded compared to the adjacent room, which being the kitchen and living room. Right. And I'm trying to figure out how to treat it so I can match the existing color in the two adjacent rooms. Right. Because if I sand it, you understand the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be somewhat different. Um, is it so dramatically different that you really need to take the step? Because typically the sun does a pretty good job of fading things reasonably evenly. And if you do take the step, you are even if you happen to get a stain color that's pretty darn close to what you have. It's going to be obvious that one floor is a is a newer finish than the other floor. Exactly. The dining room has three large windows shining on it. Right. Whereas the kitchen only has the one small window over the sink. Right. And the living room has a patio door with a full curtain on it. Right. So right. it is a noticeable difference between well, the Well, listen, it's so much work to uh, refinish a floor adding the additional room may not really be that complicated. I mean, maybe you should just do it all at once. And believe it or not, these two rooms, uh, hallways go into other rooms. Uh, We're talking uh, 2,400 square foot of oak floor. Have you considered wall-to-wall carpet? (laughs) (laughs) What about an area, Rock? Exactly. Uh, that's actually one of the problems when you pick up a rug. Right. You see how nice dark it is underneath, not so much around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, you know, Tom, I frankly, I think you chalked this up to charm. You, you can control this if you refinish the floors. 
but I don't think you're going to be able to do it selectively to match the fate of the sun. I just don't think it's it's physically possible for you to do that. So I think you live with it or you decide or you live with it until you can't live with it anymore. And then you just redo all of the floors. And when you redo all of the floors, the finishes today, you might want to think about using exterior grade polyurethane because they have more UV protection in them. Exactly. Than an interior polyurethane. And that will actually help control and keep that color. And uh, by the way, uh, you know, a set of, uh, a set of blinds doesn't help. It doesn't hurt either. Well, thank you for your help. You're welcome, Tom. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Still to come, home ownership has its privileges and its responsibilities. If you don't maintain your home, it will eventually fall apart around you. We're going to have some tips, especially designed for first-time homeowners, to help you take care of your very own Money Pit and actually prevent it from becoming one. And that's coming up next. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. The Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. On air and online at moneypit.com. Let's take a question now that was posted on moneypit.com from Rebecca in Louisiana. All right. Rebecca posted, I'm considering buying a house that hasn't had electricity since 2005. Am I crazy? The house also had a leak in the roof that damaged the sheetrock. I'm concerned about mold. What should I know before getting an inspection? Ah, you know, when you buy a house that has had the utilities off, it's always more risky risky because, frankly, uh, from being a home inspector for 20 years, you just cannot tell what's wrong with the house until you get those utilities turned back on. So we always, always, always recommend that the utilities be turned on for the inspection. I mean, how can you tell if the plumbing system has a leak unless you're running water through it? How can you test to see if all of the outlets are wired correctly if there's no electricity? So you need to get the the water on, you need to get the electricity on, you need to get the heat on. If you can't, you're taking a big risk of going through the entire real estate process uh, up to the point where perhaps they're put on right before closing and then all of a sudden you find all of these problems that come tumbling out and it can really mess you up when all you want to do is close and move into the house. So it's definitely important for you, Rebecca, to get those utilities on first. As far as the mold is concerned, that is an inspection that you can do without the utilities on. And if you've had water damage, certainly there's a risk, especially uh, in an area so humid like you like Louisiana is. You can turn to an expert mold inspector, have that evaluated and perhaps based on that decision, then you decide to move forward with the home inspection uh, and getting the utilities turned on for that. I would do the mold first and then the other two second. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that home purchase, Rebecca. Whatever happens, I know you're going to make a good decision and enjoy your new home. Well, spring is the traditional time of year that homes are bought and sold. And for millions of Americans, that means being a homeowner for the very first time. So what do you need to know that uh, seasoned money pitters already do? Leslie's got that lowdown in today's edition of Leslie's 
Jerry's last word. That's right. Congratulations. You are the proud owner of your very first home. Now what? (laughs) I feel like that was the question everybody had. I know we had that when we got our first home. Well, much like a baby, your home, it's got to be cared for and loved. And as a first-time homeowner, it's your job to maintain your home year-round. Not like us when we first moved into our house, you know, having lived in Manhattan for so many years. The first snowfall, we're like, who's going to shovel all that snow away? Oh, wait, that's us. (laughs) So keep in mind, guys, that this is you. So what you're going to need to do is think about investing in some tools that you're going to need to tackle typical projects around the house. You need to think about a basic toolbox, and that should include a hammer, some screwdrivers, a pry bar, a level, and an adjustable wrench. If you feel like you can also add some power tools later, they're great. If you've got a drill and a circ saw kicking around, you'll be able to tackle just about anything. Now, you want to make sure that you understand the basics of your home's mechanical systems. That's an absolute must. So make sure that you know where your water main line is and how to shut it off in an emergency. You also want to get acquainted with the fuse or the breaker box. And remember that home ownership puts you in charge of covering all of the utilities. So if the initial months in your new abode have given you sticker shock over the power and water costs, take some steps and think about how you can manage those energy dollars more efficiently. Finally, even if you're in a brand new home that's under warranty, it's wise to have a contingency fund to cushion those curveballs that life can throw at every homeowner. If you want some more great tips, Google Money Pit first-time homeowner tips. You get a ton of information there. It does seem overwhelming, but it's awesome being a homeowner. Just stick in there. You're going to find your groove very quickly, we promise. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Coming up next week on the program, hey, when you open your kitchen cabinets, do things come tumbling out? Hopefully not, but in fact, it is a very common problem. The good news is that there are some easy ways to make the most of organizing your cabinet space, and we're going to show you how to do just that on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 